0: Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered with the world's most comprehensive refund protection product. To find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect to deliver a more customizable purchasing experience, um, better buying experience, and how you can create a brand new revenue stream for your organization, visit www.bookingprotect.com. Once again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. Now, my guest today is me. This is a special podcast because I was able to record a webinar that I did on Monday, uh, March 18, 2019, Uh, That was a trial run for some stuff that I've been talking with my friends at Booking Protect about doing uh, and a couple other organizations uh, about a series of webinars uh, focused on things like managing the sales cycle, accelerating the sales cycle, making sure that people don't uh, drop out of the cart when they don't need to, um, selling to the premium audiences, all kinds of stuff that um, I focus on all the time to help generate revenue for the my partners in the organizations I work with. Um, so I put together a webinar called 10 ways that you can maximize your premium ticket sales efforts. And I did it specifically for the sports business industry in the U.S. because that was just sort of the way the timeline way worked out. But I think some of the ideas here in this podcast um, and this presentation of the webinar are applicable to any organization uh, in entertainment or outside of entertainment. There's stuff here about prospecting. There's stuff about messaging and value proposition, delivering more value, creating a stronger perception for what you're selling. Um, content creation, I think, makes uh, pops its head up. I mean, kind of just like all sorts of... Um, interesting ideas about marketing and selling a premium experience um, that really apply to any marketing and selling effort that you might have. Um, and as, Since I recorded it and I thought the webinar came off pretty well, considering it was something I was doing as a test, I figured it would be a good opportunity to share that with you here today. So um, I hope that you dig this. At the end, there are two offers. Those two offers are still on the table. Um, I'll go ahead and give them to you at the front, and you can email me about them, which is dave at davewakeman.com. The first is a special one-day workshop on selling premium products and services, selling and marketing the premium product in Los Angeles on June 5th. The second offer that is made there is I'm going to do a limited number of sales trainings. Um, I have typically not been... A sales trainer or done a lot of sales training I will do it from time to time but it was always one of those things where I didn't know if I would if I started to do them if I would end up having to do the same one over and over again and that was something that did not appeal to me uh, over the last year or so though I've learned some stuff about selling and come up with some ideas about offering sales training that I think will be valuable to people and so I'm going to offer a very limited number of those to, you know, I'm going to probably limit it to four or five over the rest of the year. Um, Both of those are offers. And then over the next few days, probably the next week to 10 days, I'm going to have three or four other interesting ideas and um, experiences that I'm going to offer people that are going to allow you to uh, engage with my work, uh, meet up with me in person and do stuff that I haven't necessarily done a lot of. Lately, But I think that I can do and offer a lot of value to people. So without that further ado, here's my conversation with me. I'm just joking. I always say that. But here's the replay of my webinar about selling and marketing premium experiences. And I hope you like it. So enjoy. But what I plan to do today is give you. Um, At least 10 ideas that you can use to help generate more premium ticket revenues, uh, more live event revenues for your organization. Um, I'm Dave Wakeman. A lot of you know me either personally or through the brand The Revenue Architect. Um, I want to thank you for spending some time with me this afternoon. Hopefully I'm going to add some uh, good value for you, give you some great ideas. Uh, As I've been mentioning throughout, this is a new webinar platform that I'm trying out. Um, So if there are any glitches or any challenges, let me know. I'm going to try to fix them because I want to start to do a few more webinars. I think that they are going to be um, a really good way for me to share some of the knowledge and some of the ideas I have uh, and communicate with all of you in a way that you can use and share and find a lot of value from. Um, So without further ado, let's get started. The 10 ideas that I'm going to give you today are just 10 ideas they aren't the only 10 ideas Um, you know I've tried and tested a lot of ideas over the last 18 to 24 months that have met with success some have not been successful what I bring to you today though are 10 ideas that I think can help you immediately but these aren't the only 10 ideas if I have only one idea that I do want to make clear to you today if I can only impart one thing on you is that in selling and marketing Anything, not just a premium experience, but anything you're going to be marketing and selling, it's be creative. When I was at Intex in January, I was on a panel about creating revenue opportunities. And one of the panelists said that we're limited in the number of ways that we can create revenue, that we can grow um, opportunities. And I was like, my jaw hit the ground. And then before. I was able to hold back from saying anything too nasty. But I was like, the only thing that we are limited by is our ability to be creative. And so I want to impart just one thing on you is that no matter what you're doing, make sure that you try to be creative. Always push yourself to go one step further because the only thing that's limiting us in our ability to market and sell the premium experience or anything is most of the time our creativity, right? Because people are always looking to buy experiences. The data is pretty clear on the fact that people are spending more and more of their money and their focus and their energy on experiences. So we just have to be more creative in selling them. Is that fair to everybody? Um, I think I can actually poll you in the uh, in the chat box. You, wave, you raise your hand or wave or something like this, but I'm not going to do this because I'm just going to assume that that makes sense to everybody. So the first one. The first idea that I want to talk to you about this today is I want to talk to you about rethinking your prospecting. Um, for many people, they might still operate in an environment where prospecting is primarily smiling and dialing. You might have a set number of phone calls you need to make every day. You might be in a position where you need to you know, do your calls no matter what. I'm not telling you to stop making your phone calls. What I'm trying to tell you is I want you to think further. A friend of mine, a guy called Stu Heineke from uh, Whidbey Island, out in the Seattle area, wrote a great book a couple years ago, and, I shared, um, and I've shared i shared it many places before called uh, How to Get a Meeting with Everyone, and he has a philosophy called contact marketing, uh, and it has been really influential on the way that I have done things. I have gone to great lengths to create new ways to engage with people, and to generate a connection with people. Now, when I, think, when I ask you to rethink your prospecting, I want you to think about creative prospecting. A lot of us, like I said, have grown up in an environment where cold calling um, is the primary source of our marketing and outreach efforts. What I've seen over the past few years, though, is a growing ability for organizations... Oops organizations to use creative aspects and creative and experiential platforms for them to be able to reach and connect with prospects. Uh, things like events and gifts. Uh, you can go crazy, right? Everything is fair. A few ideas, and there's one I'm going to touch on later, so I'm going to save the story of that one until the slide comes up. But uh, I'm going to use the example I, I used with my wife in her firm. is where She came up with the idea of having a blow-dry party because she needed to reach a certain number of female partners at law firms. Uh, another one that I've seen that's been very, that had very good success was the opportunity to use an ice cream truck during the middle of the summer and park it outside of a law firm's office and get people give your target market ice cream cones. Uh, I have seen things that work such as sending autographed footballs, autographed pucks, autographed baseballs. Uh, Autographed posters, uh, books, uh, gift cards, handwritten notes, anything is fair game. The biggest thing is to think about ways that you can connect with your prospects in a more personal manner. It's going to be extremely helpful to you. It's going to be very valuable. Oops, I keep doing that, so forgive me. But the most important thing is to think through and be creative. And creative doesn't have to mean like a eureka moment. It just means that you need to think beyond the old tried and true, right? I have seen plenty of efforts that have combined two things, right? So maybe you want to think about your prospecting in terms of how you can combine two ideas, right? Maybe an example of that would be you have a postcard. You follow up the postcard with a phone call. You send a gift. You follow the gift up with a phone call. Um, You know, think in combinations. Throw events. Research your prospects. Maybe you use your building as a opportunity, as a way to connect with prospects, right? Maybe you have a certain number of prospects that are really big basketball fans and you are a basketball team, and maybe you let them practice on your basketball court. I saw that work in Seattle with the Supersonics when they were still around. Uh, The big key here is just to go one step further in your prospecting and think about how to be more and more creative in what you do. The next thing, point number two, is ask for referrals. I won't ask you to out yourself if you don't have a formalized referral um, process. But what I have found over the years is that in all too many cases, we forget to ask for referrals. It's not that we don't want to. It's not that we don't even love them. It's just that we forget to do it or that we don't have a thoughtful way of asking for them. Now I have a few tips for you as far as how you're going to you can ask for referrals more effectively. The first thing and maybe this is maybe the most important thing because one of the challenges it seems that people have with asking for referrals is they forget. So plan ahead. Understand exactly when and how you're going to ask for referrals, right? I try to make a habit of asking people that I've done business with or that I've worked with quarterly. Is there somebody I should reach out to? Is there somebody I should be talking to? Is there something I should be looking at, right? So that I have trained people to understand that I'm going to ask for referrals, which goes into my second point, which is do it consistently. You know, I said I do it quarterly. Am I always perfect about it? No, but you can guarantee that most of the people I talk to and that I work with, I always ask them at least two or three times a year for referrals, right? Do I always get all the referrals I need, not necessarily, but I'm constantly focused on it. I'm planning for how I'm going to do it. I'm making sure that I do it consistently. And then maybe the most important thing is you want to make it easy for your customers. This means there's a right way and a wrong way to ask for referrals. The right way is to be very specific about the kind of referrals you're looking for, right? You might say, Joe, I'm looking for any referrals of your uh, partners or uh, colleagues that are in a business that has about you know 50 approximately 50 employees and their revenues are around you know let's throw a number five million dollars a year uh, that are always in the habit of entertaining clients just like you have. Do you know anybody that fits that profile? And that just is so you can make it easy for your customers. That way they understand exactly what you're doing you're looking for how you're doing it because it's really can be tough for somebody who to give you referrals if you just go hey is there anybody I should be talking to right? Try to be specific because if you're specific about the ask it's often easier for people to to offer you a referral to engage with you and to likely come up with people outside of the restrictions and parameter you gave them. But the most important thing is by putting some sort of limit or outline around the ask that you're going to make, it helps people clarify what you want. Does that make sense to everybody? Let me know if I've gone like way off base in the chat box. Idea number three, think about how you can help your current, your, your current buyers be successful. What do I mean by this? I mean that in a lot of cases, we often are so consumed with making the sale that we forget that in a lot of cases, the premium purchase, premium sale is part of a larger philosophy and a larger marketing strategy or business developed strategy for your clients. You know, they're not just buying them because they're using them for their own personal benefit. There's often a business outcome that's attached to them, right? It could be business development, it could be networking, it could be uh, client cultivation, it could be employee rewards, it could be any number of ideas. The big key is to think about how you can help your buyers be successful. Now, how might this work? A really great example, and I don't know if he's on the webinar here, uh, but there's a a friend of mine that works for the Sounders in Seattle and Michael who helps his clients, his partners, manage the invitations to their suites and events so that he can help the client understand who he wants to get there, what kind of outcome, who they hope to meet and have come to their event, and he helps manage the process so that he takes that burden off of his client. He manages it. He creates an invitation. He does the outreach. He helps explain how to get to the stadium, where to park, how to enter the suite, what to look for when he gets there, all these kind of things. And then he goes even a step further because he then follows up with the clients after the fact to make sure everything, the people who attended had a great time, make sure that the client had a great time. He makes sure that the entire process of using a suite at the Sounders game is managed as helpfully and proactively as possible. It is very successful for him. Another idea on how this might work is like, you can find out who or what your guests are working on and help them make connections. You know, If you have been in your market for any length of time or if you've worked in a number of big markets or maybe even small markets, you probably have connections. You probably have insight into a business. You probably have ideas and ways to make connections with your clients that will help them be successful. And this might help them be more successful and allow them to be uh, long-term buyers for you. So, think about how you can help make, you know, understand the business needs that your clients have and help them get closer to their goals. And the third idea that I put here is ask them simply what is this partnership with us? You know, what is having these premium seats? How is it going to be successful to you? What does success look like? I can guarantee you from having been a consultant for almost 12 years, that question alone. Is extremely valuable because most of the time, success or failure is left a little muddy. And because it's left a little bit muddy, you often end up in a situation where success. you might be doing a great job of being successful and driving real value. But nobody understands that because you've never set expectations. You've never explained what success looks like at the start. So ask simply, what would success of this look like? And work towards that. That way you are in a position of, number one, highlighting the value of what you're doing, uh, helping the client understand what's valuable. And if you see things maybe not going towards the the value that they need, you can be proactive and step in earlier. So you can make sure that when it comes time to renew or when you ask if the client's happy, you're not uh, blindsided when they say, well, you know, this, this, this or this wasn't working. So be engaged and find out what success looks like and operate off of that. How how does this all work so far? Is everybody good so far? Does this make sense to everybody? So number four, this is something I have been um, just hugely, hugely focused on lately, which is elevating your service. I have a philosophy that I probably have shared any number of times all over the world. And that is customer service is the best form of marketing you have. And one of the fastest ways that you can lose a client and a guest and have them tune out and turn off is by offering them bad service. So I've jotted down a couple of ideas here for you about how you can make your customer service stand out. Right. Number one is make sure you have an engaged and helpful staff in place to help your premium guests. Um, I don't know if Eric is on, on the line uh, from the Mets, but I know that when I would go sit in um, premium seats with the Mets, and I forget the guy's name, but there was they had a fantastic uh, gentleman who worked right outside of the uh, – And I forget the name of the club now, Uh, but it was like right behind home plate. And he greeted you every time. Every time he knew who you were, he was engaged with you. He would ask about business. He would ask about your family. He would ask about the the people you shared your seats with. It was great. You want to make sure that you have engaged and helpful staff in place to help your premium guests. If they are your most important and most vital source of revenue and the most uh, spending and investing the most in your product and service, Make sure you treat them that way. It, it, it adds tremendously to the, to the value, um, and it makes your service stand out and pop, right? Because I think we've all been in situations where we've seen uh, what indifferent or bad service looks like. And it's an opportunity that we can't afford to miss by having our customers not feel loved, not having our staff being engaging and helpful, uh, being proactive in the way that they deal with people. The second step the second step is I want you to start thinking about ways that you can reward your staff for going above and beyond what would be normally thought of as a good service, right? Um, my friend Simon Mab, who is the CEO of Booking Protect, has done that tremendously in the area of refund protection, where he has reinvented the way that Booking Protect offers customer service to consumers who buy refund protection for their tickets or their holidays, right? And he, one of the key insights that he has is he's rewarded the staff for getting five-star service on Trustpilot and having people use uh, deliver word-of-mouth testimonials to other purchasers, other the venues that they um, bought from, uh, other people who are influential in the buying decision. And it's all about rewarding them. It's recognition. It's, it's bonuses built around and focused on rewarding them for achieving certain metrics as uh, five-star ratings or customer feedback, all of these things. So reward your staff for going above and beyond in their efforts at customer service. And then the third thing is I want you to always push your staff and yourself to add more value to your relationships with your guests. I've talked about how customer service is the best form of marketing before. Um, another word that I really, really use all the time is I talk about value. Uh, value comes in many forms. It's, it, it comes in tangible and intangible values. Um, one of the challenges that a lot of us are dealing with is that it's often difficult for us to understand and keep up with the, changing in dem- the changes and demands of value that our customers have come to expect. I was speaking with somebody at the Sydney Opera House uh, a few months back and they were sharing that as fast as they can roll out a new experiential idea, it becomes something that customers just expect. And I think that is a reality of the world we live in and it's something that we have to be consciously aware of and always push ourselves and challenge ourselves to give a little bit more. And that doesn't have to be necessarily in the form of gifts or things. It's just like, how can we make the event a little bit special, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fun for people, and just always push ourselves to be just that little touch more of value, always looking for ways to add just an additional touch of value. Does that make sense to everybody? So number five, since I worked my way into value there, I want you to think about increasing the value of partnership. I may have mentioned this before, but I need you to find out and think about what your guest business is. You know, what is your the challenges and the opportunities that your clients' businesses are looking at, right? Where is their interest? Where are their business focuses? You know, what's going on in the market? Right? What are some of the challenges that, that may be on people's minds or that people are just becoming aware of? Right? Think about that. Um, look for ways to connect your customers. I always find, uh, and I think I learned this from Book Solid. I think it's a book called Book Solid. But it's just like if I have an opportunity to connect two people that I think are going to have a good conversation or need to know each other because they might have share a common concern or a common business problem, I like to put them together. I know that if you're anything at all like me, you have a lot of people that you know, and you're always hearing about stuff that people are doing or working on or focused on or trying to solve. Um, and if you have an opportunity to put those people together, that's going to add tremendous value for your customers. And as I said in the previous point, find ways to always increase the value of your relationships, right? Again, this is um, goes back to the idea of being creative, right, with the prospect. But there's any number of ways that you can increase the value of the relationships you have. And and by chance, increase the value of the Mm -hmm. partnerships that you have with with the people you're working with. These could be special events that you hold, right? You might put together one-off events that bring together a dozen of your best clients, right? You know, maybe for like a pre-game happy hour. Uh, It could be off-site events, right? It could just be uh, hosting a breakfast once a month, right? It could be the introductions like we talked before, I mean, there's, it's limitless in the ways that you can find to increase the value of the relationships. Sometimes it could just be something as simple as just calling somebody up and just checking in on them. I mean, these are all valid forms of value and they'll work to deepen your relationship and they'll give you insights that will allow you to become a more trusted advisor to your partners and your clients. That's it. I mean, it's pretty simple stuff. But something that I know that I have been talking about over and over again is this idea of value, which I've now shared in about half of the uh, slides. The perception of value that you offer up to your clients and that you use to create the connection between you and your market is basically what all of marketing and selling is about anyway. It's the perception of value and your ability to create it and to keep adding to it that is going to mark whether or not you're successful or unsuccessful at marketing and selling your premium experiences and your premium tickets. Um, Does everybody understand why that's important? And if it's not, let me know in the chat, and I will try to give you a better example of it later. Number six is, I want you to think about creating a lifetime customer journey, a not new idea, but one that I have kind of come back to over and over and over again lately, um, and I guess maybe it's, it's an old idea now, is the idea of a lifetime customer value and the idea that it is always cheaper to keep the customers you have than to find out and replace, replace them. I don't think that's um, at all a crazy idea to share. Um, I think that we need to spend a little bit more time thinking about it and especially in terms of specific buyers, right? Um, if I go back to Michael at the Sounders his way of managing the relationship and growing relationships and developing referrals um, and creating paths for people is just fantastic. Um, For you and for me and for everybody, what's the journey look like? The first most important thing I think we have to keep in mind always is that a customer's needs will change over time. I was talking to a friend of mine on Saturday night and, uh, and they have tickets to a local team. And she was telling me how as her kids get older uh, and it becomes more difficult for her family to get together, the needs for her tickets and the way that they use the tickets is changing. They sit in premium seats. Um, That's something we all need to keep in mind for all of us is that our customers aren't fixed in any one area, right? Um, you might, let's use me as an example. Today, my business might be medium sized, right? I might have 15 employees um, and I might need to develop business, network, uh, entertain clients to grow relationships. But what do I need? I probably need maybe four seats in a loge box. Yet, maybe over time, there's going to be uh, changes in my life, right? Uh, my son gets a little older and maybe he takes, he, he's really into hockey. So then I want to add a certain amount of tickets that I can just take with him. Right. Or my business grows and, it, and I outgrow four seats and, I, and instead I need eight seats or I might need um, 20 seats. You know, who knows? Um, it's, man- it's understanding and managing where your customers are in their personal lives and in their business lives and having contingency plans and ideas of how to guide them and best fill their needs over time. Does that make sense to everybody? The second idea about this customer journey thing is if you are always thinking about value, you can create ways to grow the lifetime value of that relationship. We come back always to lifetime value of a customer, right? You want to make sure that the lifetime value of your customer is as great as possible. Again, customers you have, and that you keep are almost always going to be more valuable than, than new co- than trying to find and develop new customers just because getting new customers is expensive and time consuming and you're just getting them later in your life cycle of your business. So you always want to think about how you can create more lifetime value for the relationship. A lot of the ideas we've covered so far today are specifically pointed at that, right? Things such as finding ways to connect your clients to other opportunities, right? Understanding the business that your customers are in, uh, putting people together, putting events together, um, finding out about what's going on in their business or in their life so you can add some value, right? Is going to help smooth that journey along. It's going to help push that journey in the right direction. And then the final thing as we're talking about a lifetime customer journey is focuses on giving as well as getting. I know that sometimes it feels like, for for me, salespeople or people only call me when they want something. And sometimes it just get so busy that that's, you know, the only time we can think to reach out. But to really maximize your premium sales and the effort you're putting into the premium experience, you got to think about what you can give as well as what you can get. Because it has to be like work both ways, because if not, the kind of people who are going to be investing in premium experiences are the kind of people that everybody's trying to get to. And so how do you differentiate yourself is by how you focus on that relationship. Um, I don't know that I necessarily put a specific slide in here for relationships, and it's maybe an error on my part because maybe one of the other big ideas besides getting creative is to think about the premium marketing and selling practices as a relationship with some of your most precious buyers. Um, So focus on giving as well as receiving in your relationships and keep in mind that the big differentiator is likely going to be your relationship with your buyers. Um, Does that make sense to everybody? So far, everybody holding strong so far so good? So number seven. Surprise and delight your customers with the unexpected. I have some friends in Copenhagen and they have a company called Activity Stream and it is an AI product that focuses on helping you uncover data or uncover uh, observations that will help you create magical moments. And so when I started thinking about ways that we can uh, generate more revenue and create more opportunity for uh, the premium seating and premium marketing and selling functions i thought about them as surprisingly and customers your customers the unexpected is some of the most powerful marketing and differentiation you can do i want you to think about it like this what if this was happening to me right empathetic it's kind of the core of design thinking right which i've come to learn is that Uh, People look to me as someone who is at the forefront of design thinking as it applies to sports marketing. Who knew? But put yourself in your customer's shoes. Think about it with these three ideas, right? What's something that we take for granted? I know that there's tons of stuff we take for granted, right? I was telling the story, and actually my friend Martin used this at text again, about uh, recently I took my son to a Capitals game. I think there was a day off of school the next day, and I got tickets right on the glass, right behind the San Jose Sharks uh, bench, right? We were touching the glass. It was fantastic. Like, the coolest thing we've done. And at the end of the game, when we're rushing out with all the people at the end, somebody from guest services didn't know it was me, but just spotted us in the crowd and came up and, and stuck a signed Nicholas Backstrom puck in my hands for my son. And it was just like a really really unbelievably cool moment um that you know could could be happened to anybody it just happened to, happen to me right but something like that we take for granted right it's like uh maybe you give somebody a ball maybe you give them a chance to uh stand on the pitch before the match like even before the players run out and warm up maybe you have um, the opportunity to show people a little bit of a backstage um presentation of a game maybe you have uh alumni or somebody who can meet with people, right? These are all should be like standard issue ideas. But the big point is put yourself in your customer's shoes and and say, what's something that I take for granted because I'm around it all the time. That might mean the world to my customer. The second idea is what do you know about your buyer that you can use to create a wow moment for them? Um, this is um, goes back to, I do a podcast, if you haven't listened to it, it's called The Business of Fun. It spo- focuses specifically on marketing and selling experiences. And I think it's the third episode I did with Martin Gamble who Again, Martin's from ActivityStream, a good friend of mine. Um, but we talked about how his mom likes to travel around Europe and go to opera. And we talked about how one of the organizations they worked with actually, and I think this is right, if I'm off, the points, Martin tells the story much better than I do. Um, They they took the data that they had in their CRM and in their, in the back end of their system, and they were able to recognize that Martin's mom goes to opera all over the world, and they were able to customize a unique experience for her, which was, I think, um, that they just had the concert master or the executive director sign a program for her with a, with a nice little note, recognizing that she was there, recognizing that she does a lot of travel for opera, and thanking her for taking the time to be there with them. And it was really a powerful thing, and it's um, sort of, especially in the world of the theater and the arts, has Martin's mom, that story has become a, a, a really big touchstone for people. It's very, very powerful. Uh, the final one is who does your customer care about and by doing for them you do for your customer I know that the wording on that is a little clunky but I really gave you a great example of that just a few minutes ago when I talked about going to the capitals game and having uh, someone from guest services put a puck in you know in my hand for my son Uh, the same time at the game uh, you know that the people were really great at the jersey stand because my son had a capitals uh, Stanley Cup patch They he needed to be put on. it, And they couldn't have been uh, more gracious with him. And they took, like, just tremendous time to talk to him and, like, explain to him. And, like, go over everything, him. it means. He, you know, he, he ate it up. And because they were nice to him, it meant the world to me. Um, I remember one time uh, helping a friend of mine from Maine, a guy called Ed Bull, uh, do something nice for, for his family. Right. And, and meeting them at a Mets game at when it was still Shea Stadium and delivering t- hand delivering tickets to them uh, that they didn't know was were coming. Right. And finding them in a crowd. And that meant the world to him. And that was, you know, and all of these things can happen. They're possible. Maybe some of the stuff is a little bit more labor intensive. Maybe some of it's not. The big important is, is to put yourself in the f- footsteps of your customer and ask them if something did something like this to me. Would it knock my socks off? And then if it's reason, if it's feasible doing it, right? Because these are going to be your most valuable customers. These people are strong, powerful advocates for you. Um, And and they, they invest so heavily in you that if it's me, I want to wow them. It's just, you know, it makes me feel good. It makes them feel good about me. And as it goes, it makes them feel better about the organization. Does that make sense to everybody so far? So number eight, this is one I use quite often. I want you to steal ideas from other sectors, of course, lovingly. Um, and all I mean by this is that there's so many great organizations all over the world and in every sort of industry um, and in every sort of field who are doing just tremendous work, right? Um, and they, they're, they're connecting with their clients in such powerful ways and in such powerful moments that – we'd be stupid not to take that take some of their ideas and use them as our own. So don't reinvent the wheel. I'm going to give you three examples here. And just like I said, with, at the very beginning, this is not a comprehensive list. Um, it's just meant to spark the, your thoughts and your thinking process. But number one, think about the way that Apple, you know, use the Apple store um, as a idea of maintaining the premium of the retail experience, right? Um, it's, minimalist design, sure. It's, uh, you you know, I I remember when it used to have a physical genius bar and you would go at it. I don't know if the people were smarter about the computers than I was, uh, but it felt like they were, you know, and it's the pricing structures, everything about the experience, right? It feels just a little bit different than like walking into a Best Buy or a Walmart. Um, It always feels like a little bit more premium. Uh, Another example that I probably most of you have maybe figured out by now is, but look at Tesla and what they've done with a largely digital sales strategy. How can you take some lessons from them, right? And develop your brand, your sales process, your service process in a way that, you know, mimics what Tesla has done. Right. I I mean, I'll share a story of mine. It's not, hopefully it doesn't come off like too much of a blowhard, but I mean, I'm one of those people who bought the car without ever test driving it because I was like so uh, attracted to the value proposition and the online sales process and all of these things. So think about that. And then my favorite question to always ask people, um, and it's mainly because, you know, still blown away by um, the way that the Four Seasons uh, treated me on my 40th birthday and the way they treated my wife on her 40th birthday. But ask yourself. How would the Four Seasons handle the premium ticket experience? And challenge yourself to reach that level because, I mean, if you've never had a chance to stay the Four Seasons, do it, right, especially for a special occasion because as far as companies that kill it on premium experiences and service, I don't know if there's anybody better than the Four Seasons, um, you know, and always aspiring to, some, to someone like that I think it's just incredibly powerful. It's just fantastic. And I think that if you think through it like this, you can gain some incredible insights. Now here's the bonus story that I wanted to talk to you about earlier when I mentioned that there was an example that I wanted to use. So a few years back, and this goes into the stealing ideas from other people. And this was really one of the coolest uh, premium promotions that I've heard about um, in the, results were fantastic. I think the Marlins uh, increased their premium seat sales and revenue about 350% from one year to the next. But a few years back, the Miami Marlins took a page from Agile Project Management, and they used sprints. And what it meant was simply that they pick a silo. Maybe they pick doctors in Broward County one week or lawyers in Miami Beach one day uh, for one sprint. And then for two weeks, they would focus specifically on that silo. It would start with a launch event, right? And the launch event might be, um, I know that they use bases. They use sign balls. They may, depending on who the person was, they might've used a jersey. They use all of these different ideas, right? To initiate contact with a potential buyer. Then for the next two weeks, they spent always forcing people and working people towards an event at the stadium. It's internally they call what they were calling a buying event. And all it was meant to do was to force a yes or no decision at that point in time from the buyer, right? So that they weren't just sitting there dragging their feet about, well, maybe where are we at with the process? So they would launch it, sprint to the end, get to a yes or no decision at that point, and then move on to the next next series of people. And it did a couple things, right? It was designed to help keep their uh, young staff Engaged, because sometimes with managing longer and super longer sales cycles, um, the staff might get a little bit, um, you know, lost in the process, or maybe not necessarily have, um, uh, you know, know where they were. Right? It would be could, could be confusing. The longer the, the sales cycle, stu- um, drug out, and it helped get people accelerated the success of the process. Right. Because if you knew every two weeks you were going to have an opportunity to get to a yes or no, it helped incentivize you to work as hard as you could over those two weeks to get the results you needed. And it was really powerful. Like I said, it was somewhere between 350 and 360% increase in premium sales from one year to the next. Um, and it was really, really a cool thing because it was stolen lovingly, of course, directly from project management, which I thought was great. So. Number nine is show the ROI of ownership. This is something that um, is struggled with sometimes. Uh, ROI on tickets, absolutely. Um, I remember a few years back, the Florida Marlins had a, not the Florida Marlins, the Florida Panthers, sorry, had on their splash page for their premium seats, a testimonial from a business owner who talked about having made about a million and a half or $2 million in new sales from his membership uh, in the Panthers premium program. And I would challenge you, can you find buyers that have made profitable new relationships at your event? If so, what was it? And can you explain it in a way that is meaningful to other people who might be looking to buy, right? The next one is like, can you talk to buyers about have, you know, how their premium purchases and the premium seats and experiences have nurtured relationship. Um, what's that worth? That might be both tangible and intangible benefits, right? Because it might be a, a situation where a client that they've worked with um, was giving them a small amount of business, but because of the relationship that they develop, developed through going to your games and your events, um, it grew, it expanded the relationship. What's that worth, right? Can you do that? Or let's just go crazy and think about the intangible benefits, right? Which are going to be those things that you can't necessarily put a number on right peace of mind uh, deeper relationships more valuable connections to people um, all of those are definitely things that you can show as return on investment for people right um, and you can list them off you can sh- you can put them everywhere right you can, and it's really really powerful because one of the key things about the premium buyer and the premium sale and the premium process is that the people who are in the seats, they want to know that it's people like them who are doing things like this. And by showing them this, it's extremely valuable. Does that make sense to everybody? So number 10 is maybe my favorite. I don't know. I, I like them all because they're all, all ideas that I came up with of course, uh, from my experience. But I want you to think about yourself and how you can become the trusted advisor to your buyers. This is something I've talked about a lot over the years, and I maybe don't talk about it enough still. It's but you just don't sell tickets alone. I talked about the year um, that I sold ten million dollars of tickets, and how I never sold a single seat. I sold lots of business opportunities, lots of vacations, lots of holidays, lots of connections with family, lots of special events. Never a single ticket. You. And your business acumen can and should be your secret weapon, just like it was for me, right? Your business acumen is your ideas, your ways to make the uh, your event more valuable, uh, spending time at your building more valuable. One thing way you can do that is I need you to be smart about what is happening in the world around you. Earlier in the webinar, I talked about understanding your client's business, right, or understanding the business environment that people are operating in. Um, You know, that's all business acumen is. That's how you become a trusted advisor. Um, You know, it's truly, truly valuable, especially as discretionary income and tax laws and tax implications have changed. It can often be the difference between making a sale and not making a sale. You know, so like you need to give yourself as many advantages as possible. I put this third point in there this morning because last night I watched Billions. And Chuck Rhodes was... former U.S. attorney for the state of New York, um, and he got, you know, got in some trouble, got fired by the attorney general, blah, blah, blah. Go watch the show. It's great. I love it. Um, but Chuck had to reinvent himself as an influence peddler, and he did this by making things happen. I want you to think about becoming a trusted advisor as how can you reinvent, reinvent yourself as a go-to business idea machine, right? If it's just about coming and enjoying the game, then maybe that's not enough for people to invest four, five, six figures with you. But if you can give them a little bit more, something more, if you can become a trusted advisor, an idea machine, someone who's always thinking about creative ways to connect and grow their business, take advantage of opportunities, you are going to become an asset, right? And the investment of ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars is going to look good in comparison to the return on investment that you're going to give people. Again, how can you measure it? You can measure it in tangible and intangible ways. The big idea I want you to do is to think about how you can become a valuable partner and asset by becoming a trusted inv- advisor. Now that's 10 ideas. I think I did my job, um, but let me give you a couple of key takeaways here. Number one is I need you to be creative, right? I hope that that came through the entire presentation. Please be creative, right? Um, There's a great book called The Creative Curve, I think it is, by a guy called Alan Gannett. Uh, Alan's a great guy. He lives down the block from me. Uh, We go have coffee sometimes. Fantastic book. Creativity is a process that you can learn, right? Um, And most of the time, it's just having the courage to begin. The second step is I want you to be proactive. I want you to always take opportunities. Another book for you is The Achievement Habit by Dr. Bernard Roth. He is the guy who kind of created design thinking and he talks about being proactive. Get the book. I'll try to remember to link some of these things for you so you have them. The third thing is to be thoughtful, right? Um, You know, think about it from the position of the people you're looking to serve. Um, Thinking about how you can always add more value, how you can be more creative. Um, how you can be more proactive. Just be thoughtful. Fourth idea. Be willing to screw up. If you've never screwed up, this is because you've never tried. Don't look at failure as like a end-all be-all. You just make a mistake, we all do. And then finally, be willing to constantly learn. You've all signaled that to me because you're here today. It's fantastic. But be willing to constantly learn because that's really the only way you're going to continue to get better and it's very important now I do have an offer at the end if you'd like to want to work if you'd like to want to work with me further <laughs> um, there I've created two new ways that people can work with me um, I'm trying these things out because I want I'm curious to see how they will work and, wh- and whether or not they add value to people but here's two ways the first way is me and you I can come work with your team. Um, I have not typically done a lot of sales training work, but I have found some stuff and some ideas that I think will be valuable to sales teams. And I've created a couple programs that will allow me to work with your team. I'm going to do a small number of team trainings, uh, either with like the whole sales team or the premium sales team combined. Uh, Each one is going to be customizable and customize to your team specific opportunities that you're dealing with, right? Um, It's not a one size fits all thing. Um, That has always been one of my reluctances to do sales training is that I didn't want to just create a sales training and set it and forget it. Um, I'm gonna customize these depending on what each of your teams needs. Um, It's gonna be a lot of hands-on creative work together, right, it's not gonna be so much me talking at people, it's gonna be all of us rolling up our sleeves and coming up with ideas um, And ways that we can take action. I mean, we're going to, we would workshop the premium process uh, so ways that you get my ideas, but also so that you can do it yourself. So it's not just like an event-based training, but more of a process of starting a conversation within your organization about how to be more creative, more proactive, more thoughtful, more generous in the way that you prospect, sell, and market to your premium buyers. So, if you want, if you're interested in doing that or talking about this further to see what it might look like, email me. I'm easy to find. It's Dave at Dave Wakeman now. A lot of you might even have my have my uh, phone number. You can call me. I think it's even on my website. Uh, the second way is I'm planning a one-day workshop in Los Angeles. Uh, that will be June 5th of 2019. Uh, so you, me, and a bunch of new friends in Los Angeles, and it's a one-day. A super intense workshop with people in premium sales from all over the world of sports and entertainment. Just like the individual team trainings, it, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty with the work of coming up with some new creative ideas um, to help you reach and sell to the premium buyers. The focus is going to be on outcome-related actionable ideas. Everything's going to be – has to be something you're willing to take action on. Um, and there's going to be networking templates, worksheets, um, a whole lot more. I mean, I'm going to try to give you everything I have in one day. Um, It's going to be great, right? I mean, you need this. Um, And I'm going to make a special offer to everybody here um, and to the first 20 people that sign up. Here's what you're going to get. It's the attendance to the June fifth, 2019 event in LA with me. Uh, A 30-minute coaching call. Again, with me. Not so and some other minions meet, a free audit of your current prospecting efforts, and a special uh, pre- or post-event networking session with me and some special guests um, that, uh, that'll be there in LA. Um, I don't know if it'll be before or after the event, mainly just because I got to see what everybody's schedules look like. Um, the truth is, is that likely it is going to be both. Um, so, you know, why not, right? But how do I get it? Simple. I'm going to sell the, the first 20 people. It's going to be $395. Uh, if you need like one of those letters, like they send when you have to cut class, uh, when you're going to be late to work during a playoff run, uh, you know, let me know. And I will help sell this to your, your um, you know, your, your bosses, your executive team, whomever, uh, to help you get, have them fund this for you. I think it'll be a really great opportunity. Uh, it's going to be in a really cool setting in LA. Um, there's going to be some great people there from all over the world of sports and entertainment. It's, um, you know, it's just going to be like a really, really great day. Um, you pro- and then probably with the networking and stuff, day and a half of just digging deep into premium buying, uh, getting a lot of really great ideas and a lot of really great information. And uh, it's going to be like just a powerful way for you to accelerate your connections and your access and the way you work with the premium buyers. Um, If you want to stay in touch with me, I'd love that. Um, It's pretty simple to do. You can email me. Just as I said before, my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. I'd also love it if you follow me on the Twitters, at David Wakeman. As I joked on the end of my podcast, the business of fun, which you should all subscribe to um, on all the major services and review, because it's awesome, is that there's some guy – I he's in Missouri who has the at Dave Wakeman uh, Twitter handle. Hasn't tweeted since 2014. I want it. <laughs> Get it for me. I love you for life. Uh, if you haven't already, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, since this was sort of a test case, uh, do send me your thoughts, your questions, and your ideas. I love to hear from them. Uh, I love to hear from you. Um, I do want to thank you so much for uh, being here, uh, sharing your attention with me. Um, spending your time with me i uh, hope this was valuable to you i hope that you learned a lot uh, and hopefully this was valuable that we can do it again soon okay thanks so much for being here uh if you have any questions you know just email me david dave wakeman.com um but i'm, I'm gonna sign off now uh, but thank you so much for being here i guess i want to thank me for being my podcast guest on my own podcast um All kidding aside, I hope you enjoyed the the replay of the webinar. Um, I do have a deck. If you're interested in the deck, you can email me. It's dave at davewakeman.com. Put webinar deck in the subject line so I make sure that I have a grasp on what you're looking for. As always, you can find out about stuff like this and all the kind of stuff I'm up to by visiting my website. It's www.davewakeman.com. You'll find my blog. You'll find clients I worked with. You'll find all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm working on getting a calendar up there with some of the events I'm planning. Uh, there will be a store with all kinds of fun stuff in there coming uh, coming soon. Um, it's going to be great. So that's www.davewakeman.com. Also, I would offer you to connect with me on social media. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Easy to find there. You can follow me on Twitter at davidwakeman.com. Or sorry, just at David Wakeman, you can um, connect with me if you want to on Facebook. But I don't know why you'd want to do that. But I'm there. Um, also, if you like the podcast or you like this webinar or you're just interested in making sure that you keep up with the latest guests I'm talking to, you can subscribe. Um, I'm on iTunes. I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on S- Stitcher. Uh, Spotify should be up in the next day or so. Um, iHeart Radio will be up soon. Um, We're pretty much getting the podcast everywhere you might be willing to listen to it. I mean, I I said recently that I found it in my car. Um, So subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're really, really, really being generous, share it with one person that you think would benefit from it and leave me a review. It's um, really a great opportunity to make sure people discover the podcast and it encourages me to continue to deliver uh, great content like this. Um, Finally, I want to thank Booking Protect the global leaders in refund protection for being tremendous supporters of me, my work in the podcast. Um, if you are interested in giving your customers a better buying experience, that's more customizable, that gives them more peace of mind for the purchases. And that helps you create a new stream of revenue for your organization. Visit them at www.bookingprotect.com. Or you can email them at info at Um, As always, I want to thank you for your time and your attention, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy, okay?